Said I'll be back to hold you down. I don't want to leave you, baby, of King No Uncensored, Sunning the Father, the Foolery Edition. And it is a lot of foolery going on. And we're going to start off right with just that. Romeo, Lil Romeo versus Master P. God damn it. Who would have thought that one day it would come to this? And what year is this anyway? It's 2022, bro. Who would have thought that 2022 would come along and Master P would be beefing with his own son? Now, however, this is this all started when Master P posted um, a tribute on the internet to uh, DJ Twitch, who was Ellen DeGeneres' DJ, who passed away due to a suicide. And um, Romeo Miller comes along. His son comes along and says, hey, man, where was that energy at for your daughter that died from the same thing? Um, and that set off a back and forth where Master P responded and said, you know, son, this is about money. And then Romeo Miller had said that Master P is broke. Uh, Romeo, <laughs> what type of broke we talking about? Is we talking about, okay, uh, you know, Master P was once worth 400 million. Now, is that four, did that 400 million turn to uh, 4 million? You know what I'm saying? Is he broke like, okay, you know, he ain't the $400 million man, but he still got a little bit of change left over from that $400 million. Or is he broke like, I can't afford a cheeseburger, bro? 
is he broke like me broke like paying rent and you know what i mean and all that other shit and then you know romeo attacked the fact that master p has had the same home the last 18 years what stability he clowned his father for having stability i guess then he said this was the low blow for me when he said my mom was right about you mind you you know the mother and romeo and master p have had not the best of relationships let's just say that i'm not going to speak on her that's not my place this is about romeo and p right now we ain't talking about sonya c now say sonya c name is going to be completely out my mouth but however this situation is weird it's awkward and i bet you any kind of money that this was over some money and then it turns out it was about some money because he said that i think he said this yesterday that he finally received his first paycheck for the rap snacks you know i just i just tried me some of the romeo rap snacks today they made me do the ICDC college. Go to college. Made me do the ICDC dance. You know, stupid ass dance. We do the fucking commercial shit. But if Master P is indeed broke, where's that makeup say, uh, money? I know, I mean, I know P got assets that he can break down and generate income from. He still has that no limit catalog. I would hope so. I mean, that is his for sure. Where is that West Coast bad boys money? You know what I'm saying? Where's that I'm about it money? Where's that I got to hook up one and two money? Like, where did that shit go? I mean, you know, I know Master P is an entrepreneur and he said it himself. Entrepreneurs you know have high highs low lows there's no in between either you riding high or you down low and apparently he been down low down low you know what i'm saying this nigga here man like this situation is mind-boggling because i have a feeling like this could be really resolved with a face-to-face meeting it didn't I agree with what both guys had to say. I agree with Romeo's position that um, maybe P didn't handle his daughter's death in the way that he was supposed to. I also agree that, you know, P does parade his family like everything's all good when it's really not. But however, I agree with Master P. It doesn't all as well. It doesn't have to come. If there is an issue going on, if you have an issue with how your father handled things, then, you know, he apologized to Romeo about how he didn't have that same energy. So P is pretty much vindicated in this situation. However, Romeo... You didn't have to air your family's personal dirty laundry out there for the whole world to see. 
this could have been handled off of social media. And the crazy part is Romeo said that yo his therapy is social media. No, nigga, obviously your therapy is social media because you put it out there that it was an issue and a problem. You said, I have had it up to here, pal. This is my last straw. I'm like, you could have called this man and told him that. That's the problem that I have. And Romeo. Oh, don't get me started on you, Romeo. Because fam. Like, I found this out from the internet. Romeo. And then, oh yeah, he also said that um, he never made any money as Little Romeo. Um... Here's where I had the problem. This is where I had to do some research. And the research fucked me up. It's kind of like how I did the research on LeBron to see if he was the man that everybody he said he was. And I was shocked at some of the things that I found. I did the same thing about Romeo. Let me tell you something. I found some shit and it's not good. Well, Romeo, here is why you didn't make any money as little Romeo. Well, first of all, you were under the guidance of your father. So, yes, the record label that he runs is going to receive the lion's share of funds. But here's why you didn't make any money. Your first album came out in, what, 2000? And you went gold, okay? Back in that time, my nigga, that was considered a flop. People were selling diamonds. People were still going diamond in, in 2000. Like, Eminem was selling 1.7 million copies in his first week back around that time. Like, the gold standard was platinum. You went gold, which means that the label put marketing, the label dressed you up and put all that jewelry on you and paid for all the touring and the scheduling and everything. So you might have made a little bit of money out of your first album, but here's the problem. You came out with two more albums after that, and they went double copper, double wood, double uranium. You ain't even go gold on either one, your second or your third album. So you know what that means, right? That you owed the label money, my nigga. You was in the red. You was in the motherfucking red, bruh. And they put all this money behind you to beat competition to Little Bow Wow. And Bow Wow was going platinum consistently. He only started going gold when record sales became digital. And even then, that's still more successful than you. You sold like 500,000. Your shit's still at 500,000. In 2022, 20 years later, you still not platinum. Nobody cares about what, how much money you didn't get as Little Romeo because the world didn't care about Little Romeo. Only little girls cared about him who didn't care for Bow Wow like that. So that's why you didn't make any money as Little Romeo. It's the record business, baby. It's nothing personal. You still 
getting money. You still had, you still were doing movies. You're still doing movies. You were doing movies. You had your own show on Nickelodeon. Where is that money, sir? And just like P said, you're not the hustler that I was. I can't get, I can't put you in position if you're not willing to get up off your ass. I mean, you got the growing up hip hop. Where the growing up hip hop money? Where is that shit, bro? Come on, fam. This nigga here. That's all I really got to say about that situation. I hope those two really resolve their issues. And speaking of ungrateful niggas, in the ungrateful time capsule. However, you know, I guess Jermaine Dupri said that he had a hand in creating 106 in Park, and then he did that for Bow Wow to get him out there. But Bow Wow countered with, no, BET executives came up with that. I mean, he... I, I mean, I don't think he was being malicious, though, when he said that. I think he was just correcting Jermaine Dupree, but Bow Wow kind of went about it in an arrogant way by saying, you know, that's Cap. You know what I'm saying? You know, Cap is like the new lie. And the brat tat 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 came to Jermaine Dupree's defense and just basically said, you little ungrateful motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jermaine did everything for you, got your career off the ground, which is facts. He did everything. And, you know, he she explained that Jermaine Dupree is non-confrontational. So he's not going to respond on social media. So on behalf of Jermaine, I'm going to respond. Bow Wow, you don't want them problems. You remember when you was claiming Pyru and the brat was holding you back from the camera crew on growing up hip-hop. You don't you. We ain't, we ain't forgot Pyru. Nigga, is this 2002? What the fuck going on with these niggas, man? These child stars, man. They all fucked up. They all fucked up. They sonning they fathers, man. This shit is fucking crazy. I know if y'all heard the intro, right? What the fuck is going on? They uh, they keep unearthing all of this Trey Song shit, man. They unearthed the video where he was singing about gangster shit with a whole bunch of niggas that looked like they were in BMF. I don't know if they were BMF, but... And then they had Trey, you know, singing on Vlad, all fucked up and shit. I mean, we all know that Trey ain't the best singer. But he's had a legendary career. But he wasn't the strongest singer. You take, you play all that shit acapella, then your ears is, is going to be affected for a while. And Life Jennings... Oh, man. Somebody recorded Life Jennings at a concert. That nigga sounded like he was on dog food, bro. I'm convinced. That nigga on dog food. That nigga sound like an amalance. What the fuck was Life Jennings doing? He was like, oh, yeah. Trey Songz, hold my beer. I'm going to sing way more fucked up than you. And I sound like I'm picking up a dead body. 
Niggas is wilding out, man. The music game is fucking wild. All right, let me get to the short ass stories of sports. Um, but um, let's see. Wally World, Wally Serbiak, uh, 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 T Bird. I know y'all tired of me doing it, but fuck that. It applies in this situation here. So Wally Serbiak, during the highlights of the Knicks Pacers game yesterday, decides to disrespect Tyrese Halliburton by just saying that he's a fake ass All Star. You see the All, you see the fake All Star just shot the basketball and missed and fucked up the game for the Pacers. Damn. He's and he said that Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson. Deserve to be on the All-Star team more than Tyrese Halliburton. Where is this coming from? Did Tyrese Halliburton fuck your bitch and get her pregnant or something? Like, what's wrong with you? Why you hating on this young man? Tyrese Halliburton ain't hurting a fly. He is a nice, nice kid. Humble. Averaging 20 and 10, basically. That's what a point guard's really supposed to do. And he is keeping the Pacers in contention right now. I mean, yes, the Knicks have a better record. I do understand that. Which we're going to talk about later on. But that was unnecessary. I don't I don't understand where that toxic bullshit energy is coming from when Tyrese Halliburton doesn't give off arrogant vibes and he has never proclaimed himself to be an all-star what is he tired of the media talking about Tyrese Halliburton I mean he is one of the top players in the league and oh yeah by the way top 50 current NBA players based on this season coming soon but I didn't like that shit the Detroit Pistons have officially taken Bohan Bogdanovich off of the trading block. So the Pistons say you cannot get Bohan Bogdanovich. They say you're never going to get it, never going to get it, never going to get it. Yeah, nigga. As he should. Bohan Bogdanovich is our leading scorer. He the only thing that's keeping us in these motherfucking games that we lose, that we're tanking for victory from. You did. So why would we trade him unless it's for something great and I don't think that teams have been offering us anything for Bohan Bogdanovich oh man Chicago Bulls basically the Chicago Bulls are reportedly frustrated with the on-court chemistry between DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine there's really no chemistry really it's just one bring up the ball and try to break down a defender without ball movement and Billy Donovan, I don't know, bro. It might be that time to uh, fire Donovan because the GM, it's really on the GM. The GM is probably going to fire the coach to save his ass because it's the GM that's fucking up, really, because he put this shit together. 
And the Bulls, I mean, like I said, the whole entire NBA wants Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic because they see that Chicago is underperforming with the players that they currently have. So I can completely understand, like, you know, to blow it, to blow this shit up because the experiment is failing. I mean, Lonzo Ball is out for the season. Patrick Williams has a, is not the player that they drafted. Alex Caruso's jump shot has faded away. Andre Drummond and Goran Dragic off the bench have been a failure. You would have thought that this would leapfrog the Bulls into contention with what they did in the offseason, but it turned out to be a failed experiment. So these are the breaks. Break it up, break it up, break it up. Now the Phoenix Suns, man, have finally been purchased from Robert Sarver. This nigga Robert Sarver went from inappropriately being racist and, a, and basically a dog to the to the women on the Phoenix Suns to getting four billion dollars because billionaire Matt Ishbia who was a national champion on the Michigan State Spartans basketball team in 2000 and is a chairman and the CEO of Mortgage Lender United Sale Wholesale Mortgage has purchased the team. His net worth is $4.9 billion this year. So this dude got some paper. And that's crazy that he came from being the national champion to a Balls out billionaire and now the owner of the Phoenix Suns. That's a hell of a come up. Shout out to Big Dog. I'm a Spartans fan, by the way. <laughs> Washington Wizards. God damn. And did they lose tonight? Because if they did, let me see. Did they lose tonight? Let's find out. Oh, man. Woo. Well, still. Before their win tonight, the Washington Wizards were on a 10-game losing streak. No wonder why Kuz won out. See, Kuz was a free agent. He going to test free agency next year. And obviously, Kuzma wants to win another championship. And that's why the Lakers are begging for him back. But he ain't going to win no championship in Los Angeles. Like, it'd be funny if he went to the Clippers, but I always wanted to talk about the Wizards being on a 10-game losing streak. They, I thought they that they was going to really turn it around this year, but it doesn't look like, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to be possible. But, yeah, they're basically 1-10 uh, in 10 their last 11 games. What's the problem? I mean, obviously, Beal being in and out of the lineup did hurt. That did kind of uh, hurt the chemistry of the team. I truly believe that Washington can't close out games. They're still kind of a relatively young team. But what does Washington have to do to improve? Well, my thoughts are, I mean, a lot of people are going to say to trade Bradley Beal. 
I don't think Bradley Beal is the issue here. I just think that there is a lacking in closing game for Washington. Because they be, they be in all of their games, from what I've seen. Even more bad news about Anthony Davis. I'm sick of this guy. I really am, man. Every time you see a glimpse of his greatness, he gets hurt. And NBA fans, you got to be fed up with this shit. You know, it's one thing to not be able to control when you get injured. But something is wrong with this motherfucker. It's something he's not doing. He hasn't been diagnosed with anything. It's got to be fucking something wrong with this guy. What is he eating? Is he in the gym? Does he need to stop wearing low tops? Like, what the fuck is going on with this guy? Because now we have found out that the foot injury that he sustained, originally he was supposed to be out a month and change, but it turns out, reportedly said by Brian Windhorst of ESPN, fat boy, you know what I'm saying? Instead of a month, it's going to be two to three months. And it is a unique foot injury that they can't necessarily describe the severity of the injury. But he's out two to three months. That's not good. This was your leading scorer, your best player who was having. He could have been, you know, if the Lakers would have turned it around and got above 500, he could have been an MVP candidate. You know, he's a top 10. He's a top 15. I'm mean, not top 10. He's a top 15 player in this league. And, uh, you know, if healthy, he's a top three player in the world. If he's healthy, but he's not healthy. So that drops him down a, f- a few places. We know the dude talented, but this injury shit is fucking irritating. The New York Knicks have won, um, let me see. Did they win tonight? Let me check if they let me double check to make sure that they won tonight before I say this. Yep, they beat the Golden State Warriors 132 to 94 without Steph Curry. They have won eight straight games, ladies and gentlemen. The question is, are the New York Knicks for real? And did Jalen Brunson's impact and signing have a lot to do with this? I just feel like Tibbs switched things up. You know, Tom Thibodeau likes vets. He doesn't like playing young players. He is an old school NBA coach. And from my guess, the basketball team has bought into what Thibodeau is doing. And they are a high powered offense that have improved on the defensive end, by the way. I mean, RJ Barrett. Julius Randle has stepped up. And the Knicks are looking more like a cohesive unit. But do I think they're for real? No. I really don't think they're for real. 
I think they're hot, but eventually I feel like they may cool off. I still think the Knicks are maybe a playing team. I think they're a playing team. Because I feel like they beat up on teams that are not that great. Even though they have beaten a couple of decent teams along the way, but still. I don't think they're for real yet. I think the Knicks, for me to believe that they're for real, they would have to win out the play-in and win a playoff series. That's when I'll know that they're for real. I'm not going to hop on the Knicks gravy train quite yet because I do not trust them. I don't trust Julius Randle. I trust Jalen Brunson to an extent because he's a solid point guard. I think he just is. I think he's a solid player. I don't think he's a top 50 player yet, but he's working his way towards that. So, yo, is it me? Or does the NBA look hella wide open? It does. You want to know why? Because every team has been getting their ass whooped, no matter if they number one in the East or number 15 in the East or West. The Western Conference and the Eastern Conference are wide open. And that brings parity to the game. And I love parity. I really do. I love parody in basketball. Because every team has its strengths and weaknesses. I mean, if you look at the Eastern Conference, I mean, even Chicago, if they hit a, hit a stride, they could get into the playoff hunt. I mean, they're only 12 and 18. I mean, they're how many games at the... Uh, they are two and a half games. Well, actually, no. They are a half game back from the play So even with this shit going on over there, they can still get their shit together. Got the Indiana Pacers, who could definitely give those top teams in the East problems. You know, the Heat are slowly getting their shit together with the stellar player Tyler Hero. Atlanta Hawks, who just got John Collins and uh, uh, DeAndre Hunter and um, DeJounte Murray back. The Philadelphia 76 Look at this. The Knicks are on an eight-game win streak, and they sixth. The Sixers are on a five-game win streak. The Nets are on a six-game win streak. The Cavs are on a four-game win streak. Celtics have, you know, been, you know, 500 the last 10 games. But other than, and the Nets have been 9-1 in their last 10 games. The Knicks have been 8-2 in their last 10 games. It's so much parity. Like, all these teams got a chance at winning the championship or at least coming out the East. 
the West ain't no different because it's a difference. Like in the East, the Bucks can win the championship. The Celtics are capable of winning the championship. The Nets are capable of winning the championship. The Cavaliers, I feel like they can get to the Eastern Conference Finals. They have the potential to do so. I think they taking that, that role that the Chicago Bulls had last season. You look at the West, the Memphis Grizzlies are the number one team in the in the West. And the thing is, some people don't believe in them. You know, I think that they have the potential to win the championship, but they got to get it done. John Morant got to be 100%. The team got to be on point. And mind you, they number one in the East without their second best player in Desmond Bain, who is a 3 and D guy with athleticism. Nuggets are number two in the West. And they doing this shit without Michael Porter Jr. Pelicans are third. They are in the conversation. The Phoenix Suns, you know, they they are a great regular season team. They always going to be in it. The Los Angeles Clippers, despite load managing John Wall, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, they're, they're fifth, 18 and 14. Sacramento Kings have come up. They've gotten better. I knew with the addition of DeMontis Sabonis and, uh, to go alongside De'Aaron Fox, it'd be a great duo. And the, especially the parts around it, like Harrison Barnes and um, Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, Davion Mitchell, and then the coach of the Mike Brown. The Portland Trailblazers with Dame and, 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 and Simons and Grant. That trio is dangerous. Utah, you know, is still in it, you know, because they have veterans like Conley, like marketing. Um, but then they got the young players like Vanderbilt and Kessler to go along with Olenek. Like, this is a good little team. You got the Timberwolves. I mean, Anthony Edwards and them been playing quite well without Carl Anthony Towns, which leads me to believe that um, – I think I've been saying this about Minnesota. I've been saying that they should trade Carl Anthony Towns because he's too inconsistent. And I don't think he's capable of being a number one option. I think he would be a great number two option. I don't think he's a leader. I just think that he's just a guy that can score. His defense is inconsistent. His rebound is inconsistent. Then you got the Mavericks at 10th. You got a top five player in Luka Doncic. You know, they were, they had this record around this time last year before they went on a run and um, went to the conference finals. But their problem is the Mavericks can't win on the road. They 3-11 and 11 on the road.
The Golden State Warriors are 11th right now. I understand that Steph Curry is injured, but you still have Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole. Everybody made fun of Steph when they lost in the play-in game two years ago. And they said he can't do it without Klay. Well, Klay outside. Klay here now. You got Jordan Poole and Draymond Green, all these players that that's, that that y'all said that, um you know, but – Honestly, they were losing with Steph. Steph was putting up career numbers. This man was averaging what thirty-seven and, and, and thirty-seven and uh and six. Dude was playing out of his mind before he got hurt. The Los Angeles Lakers. You got LeBron James. They they twelve. Thunder with Shea Gilgis thirteen. Like I said, this this shit is wide open. We don't know who coming out that west. Like, if the playoffs was the beginning of the day in the West, this is how tight it is. I wouldn't, if the if the Grizzlies played the Jazz, right? For example, if the Grizzlies played the Jazz, I wouldn't know who to pick in that series. I would probably pick Memphis in seven games, but Utah, though, I wouldn't be surprised if Utah upset them. Nuggets and Trailblazers, same thing. Honestly, I would pick the Trailblazers. Because I don't trust Jokic as as the the number one player to lead your team to a championship. I don't trust him. He don't play no defense. You know, he puts up a lot of good stats and everything and makes his teammates better. I give him that. But Jamal Murray, we don't he's not a hundred percent yet. Michael Porter Jr. hurt. Aaron Gordon ain't a number two option. I would take the Blazers in that series. Pelicans and and Kings. I mean, I would take the Pelicans easily, but the Kings ain't no slouch. Like Suns and the Clippers. That'd be a hell of a first round. You wouldn't know who the fuck walking out that door. If Kawhi Leonard healthy, I'd take the Clippers. Easily. So that's how tight the Western Conference really is. Now, another thing that's hard to determine is who the MVP. Because it's at least 12 motherfuckers that are in contention for that MVP. There is no one man standing out above the pack. Because I can make cases for for every for at least 10, 11 players right now. Like the Bucks, for example. Giannis will be the, the, the MVP because he's got the number one team in the East. And he's won a lot of big games. And he does it on both sides of the flow. Ball, I mean, Jason Tatum. Again, a top team in the Eastern Conference. You know, Tatum's been playing out of his mind. He's had some big games this year. He's a bright young star. Donovan Mitchell. Because, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers was one game out of the playoffs last year. Donovan Mitchell come, they number three in the East. Even though Cleveland started off like top five in the East last year. But 
Donovan Mitchell took that team to another level. Brooklyn Nets, KD. Kevin Durant could be an MVP candidate. Because he's putting up monster numbers. And that team in the, is, is a top team in the East. Joel Embiid, he the leading scorer. Averaging 30 and 10. And five, almost five assists. Blocking two shots a game. Like Joel Embiid, by the numbers, if we going by just numbers, he's the MVP. Now think about that shit. Look at the Western Conference, right? John Moran got the number one team in the West. It's the number one team. His numbers are phenomenal. Nuggets, of course, Jokic. I mean, I don't think Jokic is winning three straight MVPs. There's no fucking way. Like, the Nuggets would have to really, like, take a stranglehold of the number one seed in order for him to, to uh, three-peat at MVP. I honestly think that both of those MVPs are questionable. No disrespect intended, but that's just my opinion. The Pelicans, I mean, Zion Williamson. Top three team in the West. Pelicans were, like, in the playoffs last year. They were an eight seed who took two off of Phoenix. Now, with Zion back in the lineup, they're a top three team in the West. Phoenix, Devin Booker. Devin Booker's numbers have always been, like, MVP worthy. And I also feel like Booker wasn't talked about enough last year as far as the MVP race is concerned. Because you got to look at Denver was like what? A six seed last year. And they ended up losing in the first round of the playoffs. They only won one playoff game. Meanwhile, Devin Booker and them went to the second round of the playoffs. There's levels to this shit. I mean, you could say that Damian Lillard's a dark horse for MVP. Because he, you know, the Blazers were a lottery team. They were shit dead in the water. Then the last reason that I have as to why the MVP race is wide open and then, the, uh, you know, the NBA is so wide open and whatnot, it's just simply because of the fact that all the numbers are up as far as offensive. You know, there is lacking on the defensive end. That's why, like, it's multiple players. And if you look at Shea Gilgis Alexander, I know he's not an MVP candidate, but his numbers are insane. So you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven players averaging 30 points or more per game. 
and it's hard to pick the MVP. I mean, Luka is also a dark horse for MVP. I forgot to mention him. His numbers are out of control. Like this man averaging 32, well, 33 basically, 33, 8, and 9. Like he would be probably a dark horse for MVP. But yeah, that's my show. This King Known Uncensored, Sonny the Father, the Foolery Edition, and I'm going.